the 40th chapter, 40th chapter, and the 27th verse through the 31st verse. Our emphasis this morning will be on 31, but we need a runway before we can get that plane off. If you're there, say amen. Amen. In, In the older days, you heard a whole church full of Bible pages turning, but you can't hear iPhones, okay? <laughs> so you have to ask everyone if you're there. So, uh, What's fun to do is to go into a church and tell them to turn to the book of Hezekiah <laughs> and see how many people actually look for it. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> um, the Word of God. Why do you say, Jacob, why do you say, Israel, the Lord is not aware of what is happening to me? Why uh, my God is not concerned with my vindication. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord Yahweh is an eternal God, the creator of the whole earth. He does not get tired or weary. There is no limit to his wisdom. He gives strength to those who are tired. And to those who lack power, he gives renewed energy. Even youths get tired and weary, even strong young men clumsily stumble. But those who wait for the Lord's help find renewed strength. They rise up as if they had eagle's wings. They run without growing weary. They walk without getting tired. May we be blessed by the reading, hearing, embracing, and living of God's word. You may be seated. Well, I had not quite put a title on this sermon, um, and the Lord does this with me. I'll get, I, mean, I have like 37 years worth of studying, so he piles up all these things, and the night before, and he goes like, what about this, what about that, what about this? You know, it's like going to one of those restaurants where they have too much food, you know, and he, uh, sometimes I like just, I just love to go to a place that has steak, you know, that you can have broiled steak, you can have, you know. A grilled steak, you have a smothered steak, but what they serve is steak. I get in trouble when I walk in the Golden Corral. Okay? Yeah, and, and you've, got, you've got Mexican food, you've got Italian food, you've got this. And, and you think, well, I won't get in too much trouble dietarily if I take a little bit of sampling from each one. But by the time you get back to your p- table, your plate's like two feet high, you know? And, and you feel bad if, if you're raised like me. Your, your, my grandmother says, eat everything on your plate. Yes. See, excuse me, but it becomes a spiritual mission, yes. all right? So, so you, you have to keep consuming until you see the bottom of the plate. And, and then when you get there, there's a piece of cake saying, you know you like chocolate, right? right. right. So, so now I'm, I'm, I'm close to overindulging and what have you. But, but the Word of God, if, if it's like that in the restaurant, imagine the Word of God. It it is so rich. There's so many angles. uh, And yet we have this time in this moment. So uh, we're going to focus on this this issue of uh, Isaiah 40, uh, 31 in particular. But our sermon title this morning is, It's Going to Be All Right. It's going to be all right. The, The daily chore of being a human being can be a disturbing proposition. I mean, I'm, I'm simply talking about normal life, not even when it's bad. 
Because even on a good day, you wake up with a myriad of responsibilities. Right? And, and you, you begin to click these off, seriatim, one after another. And then even when you get ready to go to bed, you have a shutdown that you have to engage, right? Okay. Uh, and and you're, you're engaging for your shutdown so you can get sleep, to get rest, to start on a whole new set the next day. Okay. And, and it constantly goes this way. Uh, imagine what happens, and you know what happens when your life gets complicated with problems and issues and illnesses. And in Israel's case, or I, I'd say here with Judah, as um, they have seen the picture of exile to be away from God um, because of their sin, but they're still living in the economy of God's promises. Remember that even in the midst of our failures, we live in the economy of God's promises. All right? So, so we may have failed, but God says, I intend to keep my end of the bargain. All right? So, so, the, so the Lord provides a way forward even when our way seems stopped. But when you are stopped or you're frozen or you're depressed, okay, or, or you're hampered by the fact that you simply are not able to do anything about your circumstances, okay, it, 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 be, it comes to this point of asking God. You know, the people would always tell us, um, well, you can't question God, right? But the Bible is full of questioning God. All right. The issue is where you're getting your answers. All right. Okay. Not not whether you can question God. The psalmist constantly questioned God. Psalm 13 opens with, "How long, O Lord?" Okay. So uh, I I'm disoriented by what's going around. How long? But by the time he gets to the end, he says, "But I've always trusted in you." So so what that tells us is that complaining, uh, and uh, we have to be very careful with this, because complaining can become grumbling. Okay? But I, I'm saying that the Bible allows for us a le- legitimate place for us to look to God and say, why is this going on? So, and, and the answers can come, I, I think, one of three ways. Sometimes you get the answer that you want. Sometimes you get the answer that you need. And sometimes you get the answer that you get. Okay? You know, sometimes we, we, we get what we want, we get what we need, or we get what we get. But the, but the concern is, did you raise the complaint at the right complaint window? And see, this, 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 God is the God of our complaints as well. So when we get frustrated about life, it is going back to Him, okay, where we can begin to see clear again and that there is a way forward even out of the mess and the problem that we're in. Now, now often the way forward involves repentance okay, uh, and submission and recognizing the Lord for who he is. One of the, uh, Isaiah, we could, we could almost refer to it as the fifth gospel. Okay. Or if you're a Star Wars fan, I would say that Isaiah is the gospel's prequel. Okay? Remember years ago they came out with Star Wars you know, and, and the, the New Hope and they went all the way to the return of the Jedi. But then, re- more recently, they made three movies that were in front of, those, of that trilogy. Well, Isaiah is like 
the prequel to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? So all of them are heavily dependent upon it. Um, many of the, 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 the phrases that we uh, come to embrace in the Gospels concerning Jesus have their roots in Isaiah. Okay? Uh, we're uh, about to go into the Christmas season. Handel's Messiah. Okay? Um, and his name shall be called Wonderful. And then what else? Counselor. Okay? And, and, and actually, when we say Wonderful and Counselor... The, the Hebrew of the Old Testament, when he uses the word paleoate, does not separate the two. It's not wonderful and then counselor. It's a wonder of a counselor. Okay? And the, the paleoate is, is, is a word that, uh, a phrase rather, that gives the idea that this is an excellent strategist. Okay? So the council is concerning war. And when we get to the gospel, when we get to the New Testament, we find out that the war is against sin. And the way the Lord is going to attack sin is to appear in the flesh as a human being and assault sin and, and, and death with innocence. So that when he dies innocent, there's no way that the grave can hold him. Seriously. And his name shall be called a wonder of a strategist, a wonder of a counselor. Not wonderful, but a wonder of a counselor. Okay. So, so Isaiah comes to us uh, rich. When the gospel of Mark opens up, it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? And then immediately he says, just as Isaiah the prophet said. So Mark is letting you know that his gospel is a continuation of the story that Isaiah starts. Okay? To the degree that you won't get where I'm going until you understand Isaiah. And in particular, he quotes Isaiah chapter 40, and, and then he, he kind of shapes it, reshapes it to, for his purpose, and he has a voice crying in the wilderness. And then we see John the Baptist as that voice crying, the last of the Old Testament prophets who's about to testify and point to the Lord's coming. So he uses Isaiah to introduce Jesus. When Jesus uh, goes through the uh, early parts of his ministry and then goes into a synagogue, he stands up in the midst of the synagogue and preaches his first sermon. And it's from Isaiah chapter 61. So we, we, we see a lot of Isaiah showing up. Why? Because Isaiah picks up the sensitivities uh, of God's exaltation and the vicissitudes and, 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 and death of our need for rescue, and he marries them together and says, sniff this, and we do and say, oh, that's good. He says, but the meal is coming. Uh, I, I, I'm just opening the oven right now, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are going to put the meal on the table for you. So as we look at Isaiah, uh, the, the word broom in Hebrew, broom, is very important because it deals with one of the major themes. Broom in Hebrew means to lift up or to exalt. So, so Isaiah comes to you with such a prominent and dynamic picture of God exalted that the whole book just makes you walk around looking up. Okay? So when you're sad, you usually look where? Down. Okay? But, but Isaiah as a book is saying what? Look up. All right? So it's adjusting our focus because you know, we say, well, uh, uh, Lord, at least if I'm looking down, I can, I'm seeing where I'm going. He says, you don't see where you're going. What you see is the ground. 
Because technically, usually one of our legs is a little longer than the other. Okay? If you put a person in the desert and just let him walk, because one leg is slightly short, even if it's just a, 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 milli, uh, a, milligram, um, a, a, a millimeter, you will walk eventually in a circle. And see, that's what depression is, isn't it? It's starting at a place and coming back. It's starting at the place where you're helpless, and then you're coming back to the point where you, you're helpless, and even in your human pride, you know you can't figure out. So what do you do? You walk in a circle again. Okay. And you have to walk in a circle until someone comes and says, if you look up, you can see a horizon and things around you, and you can get a target to walk toward. God's people have had this problem because in sin it led them into this place in Babylon. And it looks like the story is over. And you know the, the, the teasings of the Babylonians after they uh, take Judah captive and said, you know, it, it, it would, it, it's like uh, taking a, an African-American and then uh, in, in this day and time, if we were subjected to being in the same world that was in the 1870s. You know, it's not slavery, but you're not free. Okay? And even if you're free, you're not equal. All right? So given a choice, I'd rather be equal than free. You know, I mean, free means I can go anywhere I want to. But equal and not being equal says not really. Okay? So God's people have been in, in, in captivity. And it would be like taking us back and, 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 and placing us in captivity. And then someone comes along and says, come on and sing one of them good old Negro spirituals for me. And you go, how could I sing a spiritual song where I am now? Okay. Well, what do I have to be happy about? Okay. So the, the hearts of Israel's, of God's people um, is right here, right now. And God's going to tell them, look up. In other words, to see your way forward, start first by looking back at my resume, God says. Okay, so well, well, well. Okay, Lord, to see our way forward, we need to look back to our past. He says, no, I didn't say look back to your past. I said look back to my past. Because if you look back to your past, you're going to walk in a circle and find yourself in the same place. Okay? So, so you can't look back to your kings. Why? Because those kings walked in the circle. So you, you can't look back to your prophets. Why? Because those prophets walk in a circle. Okay? And you can't look back to your priests and say, surely we can trust the preacher. He says, no, they walk in a circle. So he said, how are you going to fix this? He says, if you look back to my past, while you were walking in a circle, I just picked up the whole ground and moved it forward. So that when you were walking in a circle, I was still moving my plan forward. Okay? Now, 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 here's how I did it. I want you to take a look at my resume. As creator, okay? as, as the king over all kings, and as a real God as opposed to idols. And in Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah is a long book. Okay, you, you don't sit down with Isaiah and read it in 30 minutes. 
66 chapters. But, but I, I, would get, I, I need to ask you to do something. After service, sometime tonight, go back and read Isaiah 40. Okay, get yourself a cup of coffee, a tea, you know, after football games and everything is over, and so you won't be distracted, okay? All right? And, and I want you to read it, okay? Uh, and I wish I had more time because there are voices, the early voices in Isaiah chapter 40 are not so much human voices other than Isaiah's, but they're voices that are coming from heaven. Okay, uh, where, where you have God's angelic host speaking for him. And, and God, God's up there saying, tell him what I want. And Isaiah said, what should I say? And the, and the angels look at God and say, well, this is what you need to say. So you have a dialogue going back and forth. Okay, so, and, 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 and what we'll find out is that this is a war against human pride. Okay, human pride, okay, versus the exaltation of God. See, pride seemed... It, it, it tries to exalt, okay? But, but exalt, true exaltation doesn't try. It, it does, okay? So, uh, so the, the, the Lord is going to, to tell them, I want you to check out my resume. Let, let's read back just a, a little bit here, okay? Um, I'm going back at the um, verse 26, okay? Now, here's the question on the floor. The, 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 the issue is, Lord, have you forgotten us? Because once we were a great nation, but we have been reduced, okay? Uh, and, and God says, yeah, because of your sin, I downsized you. All right? Because of your sin, I downsized you. So, well, well, what are you trying to get at? He said, well, I, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that, that, that when, I, when I get rolling again here, I, I want to get all of the mushy grapes, you know, out of the bag and, and leave the juicy good ones there, okay? So, so I had to rinse you a little bit uh, using the Babylonians to do it. But, but you're thinking that the rinsing is the end. He says, no, I've got greater plans because I see a whole vineyard coming from your seeds, okay? And, and as for your kings who walked in circles, I'm going to give you a new king that walks straight. Okay. And as far as your, your prophets, he said, I'm not going to replace the prophets with prophets, just one prophet. Okay? And, and as far as your priest, you have the Aaronic priesthood, but I'm going to give you one who's from a totally different priesthood. Okay? That, that at the time that Abraham gave a sacrifice to the type of this priest to come, Melchizedek, the Aaronic priesthood was in his loins. So they, they were not so much as even a genetic thought. Okay, so I'm going to give you superior everything that you lost. I'm going to replace. But Lord, you know that Ford Focus that I used to drive it was sure good. Well, the Lord says, spiritually speaking, uh, we're going to re replace that with a Range Rover. Yeah. 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 But, but, but Lord, I, I, see, I'm not talking prosperity gospel here. I'm talking, this is an analogy. Okay? So at the end of the service, he's not handing out a Range Rover. Okay? <laughs> And if he is, I'm first in line. But, but in other words, everything that you thought was great, I'm going to make wonderful. Everything that you thought was superior, I'm going to make beyond superior. Uh, ne plus ultra, which is a Latin phrase that means no more beyond. Everything that you thought was nice, okay, I'm going to make excellent. And, I, and I've got you here while you're walking in a circle. 
So, so we're walking in a circle. The, the verse 26 says, look up at the sky. Okay. In, in other words, in, in, in times of despair, in, in times where we're disillusioned, in times where it, it looks like, well, Lord, it doesn't look like this thing is working out like we were hoping. He says, take an inventory, inventory. Right, of what I've done. Okay. So the, it, often on our hearts, the, we, we, we are not able to start our days often with Thanksgiving because we don't have a Thanksgiving inventory. All right? So we, we, we roll out of bed complaining. Now, I'm not picking on you. I'm a member of the club. All right? I'm the organizing CEO of this thing. So I understand it. Because life has a way of distracting us from the reality, presence, love, and power of God. Okay? That, that's what it does by nature. Okay? So, but, but we are a people of thanksgiving. We are designed to be a people of thanksgiving. But that thanksgiving doesn't flow out unless the inventory is in. Okay? So God starts with the inventory. If we go all the way back to the first part of the chapter, it's even more. But he says, look to the sky. He says, who created all the heavenly lights? Okay? Uh, uh, he says, he is the one who leads their ranks and calls them by name. It is recognizing God's power over the material world in which we live. Okay? You ever, you ever think about the, the, when Jesus says, when you ask your father for things, know that he already knows what you're going to ask him for. I said, well, how does God know that? So it's in creation. See, we're in creation here, right? Adam is made last. In creation. He's the final thing that God creates. And watch this. He's also the only thing that God breathes on. He's the only thing that God touches. And he is the only one that God has a conversation with. God doesn't have a sun conversation with the sun. Okay. And the moon and the stars. He tells them to be there. But with Adam, he's the only one. He says, let me touch you. Let me mold you, okay? Let me breathe on you, okay? Now, let me instruct you as to how, how to use this world that I created for you. I knew everything that you would need because I, I designed you physiologically, anatomically, chemically, okay? Atomically. Everything that you would need. He says, here's what I've done. I, I've put oxygen here, but I can't put too much oxygen in the atmosphere because ultimately that's bad for you. So I did this thing where I put 79% nitrogen there, okay? And then uh, oxygen and then some other inert things in the air that will help you function right. And Adam goes, cool, okay? And, and God says, I, so I knew that you would need something to eat, so I, I, I fixed dinner for you by growing all these trees, Okay, so uh, I knew that you would need companionship. And Adam goes, what's a companion? God says, let me show you. I want you to go to sleep for a while. Okay, and he wakes up and Adam goes like, that's a companion? Man, uh, the horse doesn't look like this. All right. Okay. <laughs> In other words, if, 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 this, if Adam had been from Georgia, he'd have looked up to the Lord and said, you're done good. <laughs> So in, in everything we need, 
God's already ahead of us. Okay. I lost a friend this week. Um, some of you may, may know him. His name is Tr Reverend Charles Wheat. Charles Wheat, uh, a few days ago, performed a funeral, then went home to change clothes and had a heart attack. We're saying, how did God then meet his need? Well, God simply looked at all the stuff around Charles's life and says, you don't need this anymore. Because where I'm going to take you, you won't need fruit trees. Okay? Uh, where, where you're going, you, you won't even need air in the conventional sense. You will be with me. And I'm pulling everywhere. I'm pulling everyone in this direction. But just to let you know, I thought this out for you. I, I knew you'd need a place next to me. So, so I sent my son to die on a cross to make yours not, your story doesn't end in death. It's just a toll booth. You, you drive up to the toll booth and you get there and the attendant says, your way has been paid. Proceed forward. So he takes us from the exile of death and the exile of our problems and gets us to do what? Look up at, at his exaltedness. And then out of that, then we can exalt EX, then with a U, okay? And that's, that's, that's where the praising comes in. So from exile to exaltation to exaltation because God's moving the story on. So he, he, he says, look up at the sky. And he says, uh, uh, he calls them by name because of his absolute power and his awesome strength. Not one of them is missing. Why do you, Jacob? Why do you, Israel? This is God's people. And this is us to a great degree. Why do we say the Lord, uh, actually his covenant name is being used here, Yahweh. Okay, it's not Mr. God here. It's, it's Yahweh. It's the covenant, it's the name that God uh, 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 shares with Moses right as he's about to declare war on Egypt. Yahweh is a name that says, I'll fight for you. Okay? Yahweh is a name that says, I will provide for you. Uh, Yahweh is a name that says, when you fail, I will take your place, achieve victory, and then give you the victory even in your defeat. And when we come to... Uh, Philippians chapter 2, it says, Jesus, because he gave everything up to God, God exalted him highly and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall confess that Jesus is, and if we trace that back to the Old Testament, that Jesus is Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. So there's Christ standing, resurrected and reigning in all power, saying to us, what do your problems think of me now? If I have solved this for you, will I not solve everything else? Okay. He said, but Lord, we can't question you. He says, ask me a question. He said, let me give you the question. How much do I love you? How much am I for you? How much am I in support of you? How, how dedicated am I to your, not only your existence, but to your well-being? 
Let, let me throw these questions at you. Okay? So, so how can you say things like, uh, the Lord, Yahweh, is not aware of what's happening to me. My, my God is not concerned with my vindication. And the response to that is this. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is an eternal God. Yahweh is an eternal. He is the what? Creator of the whole earth. He does not get tired or weary. And there is no limit to his wisdom. See, uh, other gods as they would conceive them in the Old Testament, would get tired, okay, would, would wear out. Mm-hmm. You remember the story of Elijah, and he's up on the mountain there with the prophets of Baal, and he said, okay, we're going to challenge you to a little thing. Let's see who God, who's God can, you know, bring fire down from heaven and consume. Well, the prophets are doing what? You know, they're dancing around, and they're trying to get Baal to, to, to light the fire, and they've been dancing for the longest. And they go, oh, nah, nah, nah. And, and Isaiah's, excuse me, Elijah's over there picking at him, going like, maybe your God went to the restroom. Yes, okay? Yes, yes. okay? Yeah, his trousers are down around his ankles. Maybe, maybe he can't hear because he's in the restroom. So, so he, he's picking at them. And, and then after they tried and tried, then Elijah kind of goes over and he goes, um, Lord, and then poof, and, all, and the fire comes down. And it not only takes the sacrifice, it takes all of those who worship them. It takes away all of the idols and all of the falsehood that humans put their hope in. Okay? And, and because we are designed to worship God, when we're not doing that, we try to find other things to worship. Okay? And, and, and see, television and the marketing industry understands this. Okay? So they, they don't want us to just listen to musicians. They want us to worship them. Okay? They just don't want us to like TV shows. They want us to worship them. So in other words, we redefine our well-being and our identity based upon these events and shows. Okay? So it, it, it's basically what we are designed for as human beings is an addiction. But the addiction should be to God. Okay, so a, 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 an, an addict's life, in one sense, is normal for a human. He's just addicted to the wrong thing. Is that a word for us this morning? All right, we we get addicted to the wrong things, and what the cross and what ministry ought to do is to disconnect us from the wrong addictions and make us addicted to Christ. You know. See, where the Lord wants to go forward with his people is he wants them addicted to righteousness. He he wants them addicted to fair dealing. He he wants them addicted to grace. He wants them addicted to forgiveness. Okay? He wants them addicted to patience. All right? He he wants them addicted to self-control. All for his name's sake and glory. Right? Because the past addictions to the old gods, okay, to the old ways of doing things won't work. Because God says, look up, I'm the creator. Okay? Look at the world around you. There's no king like me. Okay? Look at the idols that other people worship. They, 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 they are stone and they are brick and they're, they're made out of all of these things. But when I wanted an image of me, I made you. Okay? Their idols don't talk back. You and I can have conversations. You see? 
And, and even if you believe the idol has done something great for you, you, you go say thank you and the idol can't respond. So to the contrary, the Lord is saying, I'm aware of all this. He says, he does not get tired or weary. There is no limit to his wisdom. He gives strength to those who are tired. To the ones who lack power, he gives renewed energy. He said, even youths get tired. I, I watch my two-year-old daughter sometimes. Malik, she loves to run in a circle. Uh, I mean, and she'll run and she'll just giggle like it's the funniest and most fun thing in the world. I'm thinking, there's an amusement park somewhere that needs to just put things out in the middle of a floor and let kids run around it. Okay? And then charge like 10 bucks to do it. All right? It'd be genius. I mean, she just runs and runs, and then she'll get on the floor and do what I call this circular breakdancing. Okay, so she'll she'll just roll around and she and she's just grinning and she's laughing and she doesn't care what's around or whatever. She she she's just doing it. Okay, but at some point, she gets tired, and she starts to rub those eyes and get cranky. And and babies they just don't go to sleep. They have to irritate you before they go to sleep. All right. Right, and the baby's thinking, uh, this is because I'm a baby, but spiritually, this is for your sanctification, all right? So the Lord is going to see if you won't get weary through my irritating you, and I'm going to cry for the next 30 minutes. I'm going to like, adults, just go to sleep. But baby says, okay, check out my resume. It says baby right here, all right? Okay? All right, so, uh, and, and you, the, the people who decided that I needed to be a part of your world, and this is just the work of the Lord, so just take it, Okay? But eventually she gets tired. And the Lord says, but that's not me. I don't even get tired of watching you roll in a circle. I'm, I'm just waiting on you to stop so I can straighten you out. He gives strength to those who are tired. To those who lack power, he gives renewed energy. Even youth get tired. Even the strong young men clumsily stumble. And then he says, one of the most powerful words in the, in the, the Greek or Hebrew Bible, even the English Bible, but. That's a huge word. In Ephesians, uh, it, it talks about how we were sinners and, and how we uh, were, were given over to the, the evils of our minds and thoughts and all of these things. And, and Paul says, and we were children, both Israelites and, and pagans alike, and, and we were children destined for wrath, just as all the rest. And then he utters these words in the Greek, hard death to us, which means, but God. And, and we say, but God, all of a sudden the story that was this, this monotonous circular motion that, that leads from, from death to depression and back. And then again, God says, uh, Paul says rather, but God, he says, but now I'm ready to straighten you out. Okay? Being rich in mercy. Okay? And, and with his great love with which he loved us, he did what? He raised us and he seated us with Christ in the heavenly place. And what did you make us do? He said, I made you look up. I made you look up from wherever you were. I made you look up. And now I've raised you to him so that as you live your Christian life, here's the way it works. Because of the Holy Spirit's presence in us, Jesus is where we are and we are where he is. 
Okay, so we have this twofold look on life. When we look up, we see the exalted Christ. Okay, when we look down from his position, we say, well, it's high up here. He says, yes, and all of your problems are below you. If you're in me, there's not a problem that you have. Even powers and principalities, yeah, uh, fallen angels, you have to look down to see them. But those who wait for the Lord's help, we're adding that word. The, the, the actual Hebrew phrase there uh, is Kaveh Adonai or Kaveh Yahweh. And, and it says, but the Lord's waiters. Okay? Those who wait on the Lord, the Hebrew phrase says, these are the Lord's waiters. Okay? Now, there's, there's a dynamic here because whenever we hear the word wait, uh, there's a, a certain thought that goes in our mind. The Hebrew is, is, is differentiating here between the word kakha in Hebrew, which is a neutral word for wait, which means you're just enduring something. Okay, and and the 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 the, the participle that I just uh, quoted to you, kave, is from kava in Hebrew, which is this: it is waiting with hope and anticipation on a positive outcome. Okay, so so the word choice here is interesting. I'm not just trying to get through this. I see what's coming. Follow. Okay, see, and see, this is why you, you get renewed because you see the outcome here. Okay, you, you see, the Lord is in charge of this. And, and in other words, what we see is Christ standing at the end of the tunnel. It's not the train light, it's the light of Christ. And we're thinking, I know this is going to end well. Okay? It, it's not going to end in a crash. It's not going to end with me being destroyed. I know this is going to end well because the Lord is at the end of the picture here. So it, we're not just waiting. We, we are, we're waiting with anticipation and hope for a positive outcome uh, which is this is what is meant here by waiting for Yahweh so the issue is for us every day not that we are waiting but how we are waiting okay it's not that we are waiting say that with me it's not that we are waiting but how we are waiting we live with expectation. And this is the way we pursue all things in life, living with expectation. And when we do this, and it's not blind expectation, it is that the Lord is in this for me. And that's not a, that, that, that's not a selfish thing, because as I look to my neighbor, I can say, the Lord is in this for you. And, and then if I want to get churchified with this, the Lord is in this for us. And that's why I can tell you this morning, Vision, the Lord is in this for you. It's going to be all right. So those who wait upon the Lord in eager expectation of something glorious, and what, is, what Isaiah has to be pointing to, the, Isaiah can be divided in about three parts. From chapters 1 to 39, okay, which would deal with kind of the judgment issues, and then chapters 40 all the way out to uh, chapter 55 begins to focus on not only am I putting you back in commission, I'm going to make you serve me. Okay? And as we find out, our service is an offshoot of the service of Christ. 
right? So as you're here in Pearland, Texas, and you say, we're serving God. Well, yeah, but you're serving God because you're serving in Christ. Amen. Right? See, so that, that makes your, your, your ministry radically, radically different yeah. from just here. So it is not just that you're waiting. You're waiting for God to do incredible things with you. Why? Because you're meeting this, this opportunity with humble hearts. You're meeting with this opportunity with a, a Psalm 139 mindset. This says, Lord, if there's something in my character that you don't like, yeah, get out your scalpel and just cut it out. Okay, And don't even tell me where you buried it because I don't even want to be able to look for it later. Do, do I have attitudinal issues that, that get in the way of the progress of the saints? Cut it out. Okay. Do, do I sulk because if I'm not leading, I don't want to be a part? Cut it out. Okay. If I have a tongue that's too quick, okay, cut that out and then replace that one that speaks blessing and thanksgiving. Uh, fill me with the power to encourage others. Let me channel Christ through my life. So that as soon as I walk into a room, the scent of the Savior shows up. And, and, and Lord, when I leave from the saints gathered, take this home, take this to work, take this everywhere I go, that hopefully someone will pick up a scent of you through my life and ask, where'd you get that fragrance? You see that? And there's no age limit on this. So he says, what will happen? He moves us from running around in a circle or just getting frustrated and sit down. He says, first of all, he'll give renewed strength. And then he'll say, then he says, they will rise up as if they had eagle's wings. Say, so, well, well, Lord, you know, I, I've been crawling. I'll be happy to run. God says, well, we're going to walk, we're going to run, but we're going to fly also. Okay? So, so in, in God's renovation, he's looking to go places that we didn't expect for him to go. And we'll say, but Lord, I can't do that. And he says, yes, you can, because I'm going to be in you bringing it to fruition. Okay? So I'm locating my spiritual and ministerial energy in and through you. Okay? So sometimes we, count, we, we talk like we don't count. All right? Well, well like, like we, you know, if there's going to be any change in our lives, we can't do it. Well, well sanctification is a collaborative ministry. Okay, so it is one. It is a relational ministry that that I grow because I'm growing nearer to the Lord. Okay, He reveals, I hear. He speaks, I understand. Okay, uh, He calls, I answer. He commands, I obey. So you, you just can't have one side of that. All right. So sanctification for us is a collaborative ministry, is a relational thing. And what's huge in Isaiah is this idea. God speaks, and you better be listening. Okay? God is speaking, and you better be listening. We can't grow without listening. We can't change without hearing. Okay? Romans says what? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And by the word, he means the life-changing, life-transforming gospel. And his promise in this is they will, and, and these aren't predictions, they're promises. That's the difference. Okay? All right. So the issue is you're waiting on the Lord's help. He's not just saying, okay, you're going to get a, a, I have a good picture of like self-identity. You know, I always like to see this with athletes and movie stars. But the first thing is I believed in myself. And then, you know, and I'm listening. 
I'm listening to the thousands of break, breaks that they got to get where they were. You know, and it's like, I did this, and it was, yes, you participated. You had to sing, you had to run, you had to do all of that. But there are other people who can sing as well as you can. Okay, and, and some of them out there cannot sing. Okay, so you, you've had opportunity, and, and you don't see the whole cloud. Okay, the things that God did to put you in place. So when you get exalted, see, when Jesus gets exalted, in the end, the first thing he says to the Father is, thank you, and I'm submitting. When we get exalted, I want to let everybody know how I got up here so high. When the truth is, we're all turtles on a fence post, shell down. Okay? And what I mean shell down, I mean we're like this. And there's some things you can learn from a turtle on a fence post. Number one, he didn't get up there by himself. Okay? And, and, and the other thing is, once he's up there, when he's flipped over on his back, he has no choice but to face the reality of why he's there. Yeah. And for us, we're all lying on our backs. Turtles on the first post, and God says, this is how you got here. Amen. Okay? So it, it makes us humble. Okay? So, so waiting on the Lord's strength is the picture of being filled with the Spirit. Okay? I, have an, I have a role of being submissive to it. But when I'm submissive to, sub to it, I'm inviting God's strength into my life issues. You follow? Okay. I, when I'm submissive to God, then I'm saying, okay, I know I have to go forward, but where should I turn first? Okay. What should I do? How should I do it? So, so then it is waiting on the Lord's help. Is not just saying, Lord, you go do it. It says, no, Lord, here I am. You do it through me. I, I cannot miss out on this. Okay, and, it, and the promise is, not prediction, but promise, they will rise up as if they had eagle's wings. They will run without growing weary, and they will walk without getting tired. Say, so, well, how can that be? How can that be? And I'll close this on a doxology. There's a little word, energeia, that's in Ephesians chapter 3. And we get our word energy from it. You could probably hear it in Agaia. But when that word is used, it's power and strength that doesn't come from a human source, but from a divine source. Amen. Okay. Now, 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 this is a word for us, not just as individuals, but as a church. Watch how Paul puts this together. When, when he puts it together and he uses the verbal form uh, of, of this word, the verbal cognate, he, he, he's, he's telling the church, he just prayed for two incredible things that you should comprehensively and collectively um, understand the height, the depth, and the width, and the breadth of the love of God. It's like giving the dimensions for the universe, which is infinite. And then he says, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. Think about that. How can you know something that surpasses all knowledge? Because what we have here is a quandary, a conundrum. We, get, we, have a, we have an intellectual impasse because we're called to know something okay, that, that's going to radically change how we relate to God and to each other. He says, how is this even possible to, to know this love of Christ? So is this something we're supposed to figure out about Jesus or something he's supposed to figure out about us? And he goes, no, it's something that you're going to figure out as he works through you. And he says, I've asked you for two impossible things. And Paul says, but now let me close out with a word of doxology. Now to the one who is able 
to do exceeding abundant. Hupera ek peresu in the Greek, it's a compound word. It means up, out, over, and beyond. Anything that you can ask or think according to the power that operates in us. Notice that's plural. It's not singular. That's communal thing. How do we go forward? We go forward not as a collection of me's, but as one us. All right? According to the power that operates in us. And then he says, to him be the glory. And watch what he does next. Both in the church, he lists the bride first. And then he says, and in Christ Jesus. Because he's saying, you are the visible picture of Jesus Christ. What, what does your, your, your word, your life, and, and everything that you, wherever you are, what does it tell about Christ? Is it good stuff or is it false advertisement? Or is it just downright untrue? To him be the glory both in the church and in Christ Jesus. Into the ages of the ages. Forever and ever. Amen. He says that's the future. So I tell you vision church. It's going to be alright.